and now I'm working less, but still the business is making 50% more with the new system. So it, you, you double your hourly rate, it, well, at least double it, I guess. 12 times more. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan, and you are listening to episode 147 of the Creator Smarts podcast. In this episode, I'm doing something that I haven't done before. I'm actually going to bring somebody on the show here who I've been working with for a while because I think we have a really uh, interesting case study here that I can share with you guys. And um, yeah, lots of lessons that you might be able to apply in your business and your online education business as well. So today I'm talking to Vanessa from the popular YouTube channel Speak English with Vanessa, almost 4 million subscribers. And last year Vanessa approached me and she said, Jan, I have this uh, membership thing going on. Uh, for, well, people who wanted to learn English, it's going super well, I'm making more than enough money, but the thing is that I have to work all the time, and I have a family, I want to work less, and um, is it possible for me to to stop with this membership and uh, not lose my business, basically? Because she was making most of her revenue, or most of her revenue in the business came from that membership. So we analyzed the data, I said, well, I think we can find a way to cancel the membership and make the same amount of money or maybe even more and that's exactly what we did so in this interview i'm going to share with you guys how vanessa managed to work much less almost 10 times less i think and make 50 percent more yes we walk you through the process in this episode so i hope that you have your pen ready to take notes because this is going to be an interesting episode Enjoy. This is the Create Your Smarts podcast, the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business. I'm your host, Jan. Hey, Vanessa. Welcome back to the Create Your Smarts podcast. Um, yeah, good to talk to you again. Thanks so much. Yeah, good to talk to you. Do you remember to Do you remember our first interview that we did? A few years ago. I do remember that. I think it was the first time I'd ever met you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Back in the day. Yeah. So tell us a little bit where you are. Um, well, let me first tell the audience that we uh, we have been working together since, well, when was it? Like the summer last year? And um, even March was like the first time that I reached out to you, but things didn't get kicked in until like May, I think. Yeah, so tell us a little bit where where you were at uh, at that time. So this was like probably a year after our interview. Tell us a little bit about um, well what you do and where you were, were uh, a year ago. Yeah, uh, well the first time we talked, I think we talked a lot about the membership site that I was running for English learners yeah. around the world. So I teach English as a second language to adults. Generally, they're pretty intermediate level already. They can understand everything from my lessons, but they just kind of need that confidence boost <laughs> to uh, keep going. And the membership was going strong uh, for, I don't know if it was five years by the time I talked to you, but yeah. by 2021, it was five years. And that was awesome. I felt so lucky to be doing something that 
doing this that actually worked. I don't know. There's, I think when you're an entrepreneur, there's so many different twists and turns and you think maybe this will be the thing that works. Maybe that will work. And I tried so many things before that and the membership worked. It felt like there was always new content based on kind of the outline and model of it. And yeah, so it felt almost infinite. You could just do it for a long time. And then, you know, after five years, that long time feels like, well, maybe it's time for a change. Yeah. So <laughs> and uh, yeah. Well, why did you start with a membership in the first place? I think the biggest inspiration for the membership was I talked with another English teacher. He teaches English on YouTube. Drew, he has a YouTube channel, English Anyone. Uh, anyone English? English Anyone, yes. <laughs> and um, I actually reached out to him on Skype a long time ago, like six or seven years ago. And he had said, you know, just try to find something that you can start now. Don't come up with some big scheme. Try to just do something yeah. so that you can make a course and do it now. And I felt like, yeah, that sounds like something I, I need emotionally too. <laughs> I need to feel that there's some kind of progress instead of creating some giant thing. And a, a membership felt like that was doable, that I could interview someone and then kind of break down that interview, which is what the course ended up being. And it seemed like, yeah, I didn't need to create a whole A1 through C2 level course and that seemed really overwhelming especially at that stage in my english teaching career like i needed more knowledge and confidence and all that to be able to make something as big as that so a membership yeah. was a good way to start off mm -hmm. um yeah and it worked really well like right away a lot of people liked it and i twisted and tweaked a few things and it just kept growing and that was awesome yeah it worked really well <laughs> up until the very end yeah so you've built a very successful uh, youtube channel with an underlying business of course um, learn english with vanessa millions of subscribers um, very good revenue so why what why, why why did you send me a message in march last year <laughs> I remember on the form to fill out to say why I want to work with you, there was a question that said, what makes you different from other applicants? And I said, I don't want to make more money. I want to work less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, when we first talked, I think it was like a trial call or something. Yeah, yeah. You said, oh, you don't want to make more money? This is very different. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is like a real is a very privileged spot to be in. And I feel really lucky to be in that spot. And I think that if you're as an entrepreneur, especially digital entrepreneur, if your business is at a certain point, and for me, I don't have big business aspirations to be like the owner of, you know, 100 employees working for me, this type of thing. Like, that's not my dream. Mm -hmm. So I would rather have my business fit my modest lifestyle yeah. <laughs> and be able to fit in, especially as a mom of two young kids. Yeah try to not be too overwhelmed. And mm. so, yeah, working less is the goal. And I think the first time I reached out to you, I just said, hey, maybe just take a look at the business overall and give me some ideas. And you mentioned, what if we repurpose some things and made this into different levels? I said, okay, I'll think about it, I'll think about it. I can't work with you for another month. I got stuff going on. And pretty much within a week, I said, oh man, that sounds really good. <laughs> I would love for that to be able to happen because I could just feel that weight of 
just the stress of creating so much each month. Mm. Well, even though it it was, I think, for a subscription, quite sustainable. Yeah, there is always new stuff to be made in that in the model that we'd made, but at the same time, with my lifestyle now, yeah, with young kids and. Yeah, I don't want to be in front of the computer. I think that's kind of the goal of a lot of entrepreneurs is you want to make your business so that you can live the life that you want. Yeah. Maybe that is having 100 employees, but yeah. for me that's like, you know, being outside and taking hikes and taking off on a Tuesday because you can. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, so uh asking you what can I do to work less was a big question and felt like some kind of relief even though you're you're like throwing around some ideas in our preliminary calling like, okay I'll think about it, I'll think about it but that really yeah struck so you were you were in a very privileged position where you were making enough money to um, to support your lifestyle mm-hmm. but you did the, the membership or did the, the constant need to create new content for the membership just started to become to uh was it not sustainable anymore or what what was the uh you you, did you feel like like what were your feelings about that membership i think the biggest thing for me is based on my personality i could never be enough ahead in the course so Mm. for example when i was pregnant with either of my sons um my husband who's working with me on the business we worked really hard during the pregnancy to get ahead. So we basically had eight months of the subscription scheduled out, planned out so that we could take a three to four month break and then kind of pick it up slowly. And you never know what's going to happen with a small baby. So we had some leeway, but that kind of breathing room to have with the membership, because the feeling was if the membership is gone, if for example, Um, something happens with this baby or all of a sudden there's a pandemic which happened (laughs) right when I gave birth (laughs) Um, or you know whatever happens and this we don't make the deadline of having the lesson set created on time Hmm. then there is no business like this is it everything hangs on us finishing by the first of the month and I'm the kind of person who Maybe that's kind of an entrepreneurial mindset, but I can't just be like, oh, it'll happen. Like, don't worry. Like, if I need to stay up till midnight, you know, it'll work out. I have to be like, no, I'd like to be three months ahead. I'd like to be five months ahead. (laughs) And that kind of pressure was mm, something that I felt like I could live with, but sometimes it felt overwhelming. And I wondered if there was a way out. Yeah. Which I think is important for people with a membership is to find a way out or to kind of preemptively think about yeah. a way out yeah. because a membership's not terrible. Like we are really lucky to have started that, I think, mm. and like start the business. But Yeah, so I don't remember the exact conversation that we had, but I think at a certain stage I said, what if we stop the membership and instead create something that's evergreen that you can sell 24-7 and then ideally still make the same amount of money? right mm. and at first it was a very big challenge because your membership was generating um well most of the revenue in your business if i remember correctly so the yeah. day you stop that membership you lose thousands of dollars every single month if not tens of thousands of dollars right so yeah. 
Um, and I guess this is the reason why we are recording this interview today, because I think that we learned some really interesting lessons over the last few years. We mm -hmm. figured out a way to stop a membership, eventually create something that's evergreen, make the same amount of revenue. And uh, I thought that would be really interesting to share some of the lessons that we learned with our audience today. So, um, yeah, maybe we can just uh, talk the audience uh, through the process. Did you remember what some of the first, or do you remember some of the first, first, sorry, first things that we did um, yeah. when we started the project? I think the biggest thing that struck me when we first started working together was the stats and data that yeah. I have no clue about. Like yeah. you created a sheet um, that had, you know, how many subscribers do you get per month? how many views on your sales page do you get? All of those things that can show us the starting point. Yeah. Um, and then lead us through month by month to see as we make these incremental changes, how does it get better or get worse yeah. so that we can kind of track that. And I am terrible at keeping track of stuff like that. Yeah. I have no idea what's the most important numbers and it just feels very overwhelming. So I've never done it. And I think looking at that with you was the only reason why I took the plunge because yeah. when the, I remember the first time when I, so during the entire year of 2021 until I actually canceled all of the monthly membership payments in October, yeah. um, I was still making new content for yeah. current subscribers, but there was no new, there were no new subscribers coming in. Yeah. But if you were to go to the sales page to purchase the course, the Fearless Fluency Club, you would see the levels that were available. So all the new people coming in were coming into the levels and they're kind of testing the new sales systems and all yeah. of that, yeah. while at the same time in the background, continuing to make money from the people who are already part of the membership yeah. before March. <laughs> so that number dwindled because there were less people joined. There, were no, there was nobody else joining, mm. but that helped to be making money in the background. But I know for sure, if that had been me by myself, just saying, hey, I'll just try for a month, I'll just you know, put this level thing out there and then see what happens. Like that first month, the numbers were very bad. And I remember what you said to me that the sales page is good for selling something that's a $35 per month, $5 yeah. trial product, yeah. but it's not good enough for selling something that's over $100. Yeah. And like oh that makes a lot of sense like you don't need much convincing or crafting of the language for something that's a very low risk yeah product mm. <laughs> so we worked really hard um to at least it felt like i worked really hard. well, well you did you worked really hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, to create a sales page that could sell a it was like 199 is the main level price and then there's a sale for people who are joining different stages yeah but to be able to create that sales page and then go on to create the sales email funnel that they'll go through and i had a bunch of emails set up but um like you'd said it was good for a cheaper product and it worked great for that but for selling something more i really needed to be more conscious about the flow and the yeah. The one email leading to the next email, which the system I had worked great for something inexpensive, mm. but to level it up, to use that same material for something expensive, 
did not work that first month. And I think for me by myself, I would have just freaked out and said, it's not working. Let's go back to the subscription. (laughs) But because we were working together, I felt more confident that, okay, let's look at the numbers. We have that whole data sheet spread out. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Let's change these things and give it like three months to change these big deals. And um, yeah, so in the end, that was really useful to see the numbers and like know what was useful so that when things didn't go like we expected or did, we could see that it was working or not in the numbers, not just in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So I think there were a few key principles here, right? So first of all is that you need to, you need to keep track. You need to know your data. You need to mm-hmm. know how many email addresses that you are collecting. What is the value of each email address, right? Because you have people say like, yeah, membership is more profitable because people are paying every month. Yeah, but if it's only $30 per month and they only stay three months on average, they're only spending $90 on average, whereas you could also be selling a course for $200, right? So we really wanted to get an idea of how much every lead was worth in your business up until then. So we looked at the data from uh, 2020 and then we calculated that number and then we say, okay, the day we're going to stop the membership, the number is going to... (laughs) Well, almost going to go to zero, right? But if instead we create a new offer for our one-off product, so we created a $200 offer for an evergreen course, Mm. and that was the first thing that we pitched to all the new leads, to all the uh, new leads that enter your business. And then we we, we could see what happened with the number. Like, did it go up again? Did it go higher than the uh, average lead value of the year before with the membership? And then we just gradually, step by step, made changes in the business, right? So the first change was, I think, what was that we changed the offer, right? So as you just said, instead of sending new people the promotion for the membership, we started promoting a new, the the Evergreen course, while in the back the people who were in the membership were still getting new content every month. So we were not losing that revenue in the first place. Um, Yeah, I guess the principle here is that we started testing a new offer while people were still paying for the membership Um, because we didn't want to take any risk, right? You don't want to cancel the membership without knowing what you are doing. Yes. Um, And then we did the sales page. Yeah. I think that was really... uh, instructive for me (laughs) to learn about copywriting and that whole flow and get detailed feedback Mm. and I know we wrote like a a brief outline and then filled it in and then takes me a really long time to be able to do that kind of stuff Mm. so um, after lots of back and forth of writing out drafts and changing wordings and I appreciated your detail as far as if I wrote something like I don't think that phrase is necessary like that's the kind of stuff that I don't know it's small but in the end like you said you write a sales page once and then it's done so might as well be detailed about it and get that kind of good feedback to say yeah those phrases aren't good or let's move the section here and I had no clue about that I, I, I knew some of the ideas in theory, but never really worked that hard, I should say, <laughs> to create a sales page in the yeah. way that we did. Yeah, so the first thing we did, well, we um, started tracking the numbers, then we changed the offer, and then we, I think we, we first changed the sales page. Um, 
because we change the pricing, right? From $30 or $20, $29 per month to a $200 offer. Mm-hmm. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned while writing a good sales page <laughs> in, uh, for the first time? Or I should say a good sales page for a more expensive offer for the first time. Yeah, I think something that I'd never thought about was giving a name to the system yeah, that yeah. my course uses and how we talked about this some in the one of the inner circle meetings too that mm. you know your your name doesn't have to be anything fancy it could be the three step method. Okay, it could be something super simple, but it gives more organization to it. Like when students yeah. see, oh, the conversation breakdown method oh, it's kind of compartmentalizing the ideas instead of saying, okay, first we're going to do this, then we go over here and do this, and you're going to watch this. It says, this is the name of it. You're going to use this method, and it feels Mm. like they're being guided, which, I mean, that's why people buy courses. They don't want to just be watching random YouTube videos. They want a guide to kind of show them, here's the path. (laughs) That's what we try to do in a course. Um, So that was kind of eye-opening to me. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Give your system a name because there is a method to the madness of some sort and that makes your course unique and that will make it, um, yeah, it makes the sales page come together and it helps like the emails link to the sales page. Um, so yeah, that was one thing. Yeah. But I think the flow of the sales page as well, I'm not so good when it comes to trying to pull at their emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I feel better at saying, okay, here's the, things that you get you get five videos it's about vocabulary blah 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 this kind of like data driven stuff versus have you ever felt like this <laughs> or one time i also felt like this and that kind of stuff doesn't come as naturally to me at least on a sales page because it feels a little bit impersonal um so working through that and yeah trying to put myself in my students shoes what are they feeling when they come to this page how can I take them through this experience so that when they get to the data, Mm. they say, okay, cool, that sounds fine, instead of trying to decipher how the data will help them. Like they've already been told and like guided along. Mm -hmm. So getting the emotional stuff first was, yeah, something new for me. Mm -hmm. Not my strong suit, so I learned. (laughs) Still am learning. And we also change the uh, initial email sequence, right? Because mm. if you're selling a $200 offer, um, well, you, you want to build some, you don't want to pitch the product straight away. I mean, yeah, you can yeah. always give them a shortcut to check out the product, but you need to warm up the audience a bit and to educate them about uh, your methods to, to build trust, mm-hmm. um, to add value to them. Um, and you can do that if you write a, a good email sequence. So. What, what was your learning experience there? Like, what does it take to write a good email experience, uh, to write a good email sequence? I appreciated that we wrote the sales page first yeah. because it gave some of that similar language that we could use in the emails. In the past, I kind of just wrote emails and didn't, especially that introduction sequence when they first signed up for the newsletter and didn't really think about a flow, but outlining all, I think we wrote eight emails, outlining all eight at the same time showed that, oh, it is really important that I can't just add a random email in the middle of this when I think, oh yeah, I should probably ask them what their level is. Let me just throw a random email in the intro sequence, which I have done in the past. 
Instead, there is a definite flow and it takes them from one step to the next so that they're ready for the offer. And it's also still showing them more about me or my background or my method and is personal in a way. Like I told lots of personal stories that I felt fit with who they know. And it is part of me too, but it fit with the Vanessa they see on YouTube when they get the emails. It's not like, okay, now buy my course. It's like, oh yeah, this is Vanessa who I've seen and we're going to hear more about her background. And it's more personal in that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we kind of went through that flow of writing them all at the same time, which I think was a good idea. Yeah. Get all right. So we, we changed the offer. We changed the sales page. We changed the email sequence. And then we kept tracking that number, right? The average lead value. And I think that at the beginning, that number actually went down. So the average lead value of new leads within the thir first 30 days. So I'm talking about the leads here now who went through that, that, that funnel, that new funnel that we built. Um, the average lead value was lower, I think, than the average lead value in, uh, in the previous year, in 2020, which kind of makes sense because mm -hmm. if you've been running a membership for four or five years, then you have like a diehard group of students, like a f probably a few hundred students who pay $29. 35. 35 <laughs> every <laughs> month, four years. So, yeah, it's going to be very likely that you're going to have a very high average lead value, but which is nice, but it also takes a lot of time and energy from your side, right? Because you need to keep creating content all the time. Yeah. So, um, I think at that time we were still a bit nervous about... Uh, canceling the uh, the membership that was still running in the background mm -hmm. but then we came up with an idea you want to share the idea with uh, with the audience sure you came up with this idea yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember you said very tentatively I have a crazy idea what if we started a membership <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what in the world are you about to say um, yeah so the idea is that with the levels I repurposed each level includes about five months of past subscription content. So with the intermediate and advanced levels, I create a whole new beginner course. I'd only used 10 months of the past five years of content. So there's so only the 10 three months. Evergreen, the three one-off courses you mean that you built? Yes. Beginner, so, intermediate, advanced, right? Yeah. Right. There was a lot of unused membership past membership yeah. content that people could buy in like one lump sum but it wasn't dripped out so your idea was why don't you choose 24 of those lesson sets monthly materials and sell it as a membership like on a loop for two years so no <laughs> one can be in it for more than two years yeah. but they're getting new lessons and it's kind of like a downsell offer where yeah. if you can't afford the $150, $200 product, well, what about this? Would you like, it's the same method, different lessons, but it's the same method and you can get it for $35 per month and it can be per month and it's a little more affordable and maybe more flexible depending on somebody's financial or life situation. Yeah. So that's kind of the second thing that's running in the background is this looped membership, um, which I think even if someone hasn't 
doesn't have a membership and they're thinking of starting one, that's not a bad idea in the first place. Yeah. They just say, we're going to make this a fix to your thing. You don't need to tell students it's only two years. Um, I set up a system where after two years, their subscription payments, should they be there for two years, yeah. will get automatically canceled. They'll yeah. get an email and, you know, they can talk to me about it. <laughs> yeah. But um, most people are not there for two years. Yeah. And yeah, that's been that's been working great. I think it meets two different types of people too. And you could be in both if you wanted. A lot of people are in both yeah. where they're in the intermediate course and the advanced course. And then they say, hey, I want dripped the monthly lessons too. Yeah. If they don't want to purchase the full package of mm. all five years worth of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, different price points, but the same method. Yeah, I think the thought process there was that we already knew that people were willing to spend $35 per month on the membership, right? So when we changed that offer, we started selling for $200. Um, it's, well, of course, I mean, like we first wanted to sell a one-off course, right? Because that's how you make the money up front. Mm -hmm. um, it's a one-off payment. It's the, um, it's like your, your flagship course. Yeah. But then in case people don't want to buy or don't want to spend $200 in, in one go, then why not offer a, a membership or, well, do we call it a membership? I guess we can just call it a membership. Why not offer that as a, as a downsell? And uh, because we know that people were willing to spend that amount. And uh, yeah, we, we simply added an extra email sequence, right? So people come into the business, they get pitched the one-off course. Mm -hmm. And then if they don't buy, we give them the opportunity to uh, to join a membership for yeah. a much lower fee. And once we implemented that, again, we started looking at this average lead value and we saw that it was going up, right? And it was uh, getting very close to uh, what it was before we canceled the membership. So I think mm -hmm. that that was the point where we said, okay, now we are confident enough that um, if we just move forward with the one of course and the, uh, the looped <laughs> membership, and maybe do some email promotions on top of that, then uh, we can be confident that we can make the same amount of money, maybe even more, taking into account that your YouTube channel is also growing, mm -hmm. um, without having to create content every single yeah. month, right? The goal of working less, success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think throughout all of this too, right when we first started meeting back in uh, March or April, I implemented a new lead magnet system mm. where for every new YouTube video there was yeah. a new lead magnet yeah. and that changed my it 3x'd my monthly yeah. leads yeah. it'd been stagnant not in a bad way but it'd been very consistent I should say yeah. um, for many years like this every month there'd be the same amount of leads I had like a free ebook that I pitched at the end of every YouTube video and yeah. then in April when I started that so I was getting three times the amount of leads and we were still trying to meet that same average lead value for that amount of leads. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. I think if we'd had the original amount of leads, the average lead value would have been way more. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got three times the amount of leads due to that system. Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so even though the average lead value might seem less, it's actually more because the leads coming in are three times the amount. Yeah. In fact, I have a number here, a statistic I wrote wow. out. <laughs> Want to share it? Yeah. Yes, that with the levels, so the one-off courses, and with the 
looped membership. Yeah. Revenue is actually 50% higher mm. than with just the membership. Yeah. Wow. And that means I don't work at nights anymore, which was a big thing for me. I wanted to be free in the evening after my kids go to bed. But with the first membership, I was doing something almost every evening. So now I don't work in the evenings at all. I feel much less stress. Um, and I, I, don't, I know as entrepreneurs, we don't calculate how much we make per hour. <laughs> um, but before, because I was working more hours, um, and now I'm working less, but still the business is making 50% more with the new system. So it, you, you double your hourly rate. Well, at least double it, I guess. 12 times more. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I do not calculate that stuff. And the funny thing is, like, when I first met you, I said, I don't need to make more money. I'm not in this to make more money. And I felt like part of my heart in that, too, was I know that my core students who've been in this membership love this and they depend on this yeah. and they are going to be devastated yeah. when it's over. Yeah. I cannot be in this to be like, I'm going to just push them aside and try to make more money because that, I mean, we, I remember I mentioned it to you yeah, a lot. Yeah, like yeah. I'm so worried what they're going to say. Yeah. Oh, I know it's going to be so hard for them. And I knew I needed to do it and do it for myself, yeah. this stress and just try to make myself work less, all of that. It needed to be done. Um, so even though I say, oh, it's making more money <laughs> and that's great at the same time, um, that is kind of a happy benefit yeah. <laughs> less and less of a initial goal, I should say. Yeah. How did you communicate a cancellation uh, of the membership with your audience, with the people who were in it? Yeah, so I sent out an email. I was very scared to send that email. <laughs> I spent several days writing it. And I think at some point, of course, I just wanted to get it out. But I knew for months from like April to mid-October when I sent that, I'd been planning all of this. So it kind of felt like secretive. Yes, I don't need to tell my students like every business move that I'm making, <laughs> but it felt like something was in the background that I just needed to get out and it, I knew it affected them. So in a way it was kind of cleansing, like oh, I can finally just be honest and get it out and yeah. that kind of stuff. I don't like there to be an elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Have to just be honest about it and talk about it. So it was nice to say it. That first, uh, I sent the email and then that first three or four days, it was like the world exploded because <laughs> there were many, many messages. What, what about, did you say in, uh, in that email? Um, I started off, I tried to start off and like, uh, I'm so grateful for all of you. Thank you so much for just being wonderful. And they have a lot of relationships with each other too. They meet up on Zoom and yeah. Skype. A lot of my students do that stuff. So tried to t kind of talk about that, talk about the journey of over the last five years. Yeah. Oh, we've done this and learned this. Um, but at the same time, like a lot of you know that I'm a mother, I have a busy family, and uh, it's really important to me to prioritize being with my kids right now and being you know the best that I can be for the people around me and that means also taking care of myself which is not often yeah. my priority <laughs> um, so trying to kind of take it from a personal angle because a lot of them 
especially people that have been around for a while are do feel connected with me yeah and um then i said the fearless fluency club is closing this doesn't mean that i'm going away i will it is there's not going to be new monthly lesson sets, but I will continue my Sunday live lesson. There will be new students coming in because there will be this other system. And I also gave them a couple offers, super, super cheap, (laughs) where they could get all of the past five years worth of content if they didn't already have that, including kind of people who'd been in the course for say three years. They've more than paid for the whole package so I said if you've been in the course for a really long time message me and I can basically give it to them for free because they've already paid for that trying to just kind of work work with different students and in the end um, most students who had been in the course for a long time ended up getting at least two extra years worth of lessons that they will be able to study for a long time because I mean who knows what's gonna happen in the next two years too mm-hmm. but um, yeah that was a really scary thing for me because I really I don't know we have a special relationship yeah. <laughs> a lot of the students really have strong emotions about the course and we have a Facebook group which is the main spot where people share everything there are many things that happen in that group very personal uh, uh, personal things that people share that yeah it feels like a little little group big group mm-hmm. sometimes <laughs> thousands yeah. of people but <laughs> you know the people that share a lot so that was hard the first week or so and but I saw once, some of the emails that they send you and they were all very heartwarming right yes just so nice and um, everyone understood Vanessa we know that this is the best thing for you and you know all of that but we'll still be sad so they they understood nobody was mean about it and um then after a couple weeks once they realized oh we we, we're just gonna adjust our zoom calls to talk about the past material that we haven't talked about yet and we're gonna still talk about that and vanessa's still doing live lessons every sunday and i'm still in the facebook group commenting and sharing things and it's the community itself is not going anywhere. I think there's probably a big adjustment for some of them that have been dependent on the monthly lesson sets to be kind of that boost of, oh yeah, I'm gonna study English again. Oh yeah, this month I'm studying English again, that kind of perpetual push each month. But in the end, I think at this point, it seems like things have kind of slowed down a bit, smoothed out a bit and no hard feelings I would say (laughs) but it was very hard for me to kind of make that move emotionally for them so how's life now like are you still working as much or how many hours per week do you work and what do you do in the rest of the time just interesting (laughs) well I just did a 50 wheelbarrow fulls of uh, soil from my garden (laughs) (laughs) my body is aching Um, I work generally Monday, Wednesday, sometimes on Thursday yeah. um, in the mornings. So I'd say fifth, 10 to 15 hours a week. Yeah. Um, but most of those tasks, can, if need be, can be pushed back. There's nothing that's so pressing except I have a weekly YouTube video. Yeah. So I need to 
film, make the script. I try to film in a batch once a month, um, make sure the newsletter is going out, mm. spot check some emails, stuff like that. But for example, this past week, my whole family was sick, including me. Nothing got done and it was fine. Like I could just focus on that and somehow I grab some strength to be able to film this week's YouTube video. <laughs> and that was all that I needed to do. And yeah. it was nice to, if I want to make advances in the business, like we've been talking about doing potentially some promotions for the other products that I've already made in the past, that stuff is all optional. Yeah. If there's a busy month in my personal life, I can deal with that and not have to feel the pressure of that like continual machine yeah. <laughs> going mm. forward. It's all it's all a choice. It's yeah. all optional and it's I think at some point for maybe um, most business owners you kind of feel like the business owns you yeah. <laughs> um, versus you being the one in, in charge. Yeah, so, so you're I'm in charge again now. Yes, I've taken back the reins. <laughs> All right, just one thing uh, real quick because you mentioned that you um, that you changed something in the way you collected email addresses last year and then you tripled the uh, number of leads that you were getting on a monthly basis. Do you want to share real quick with the audience what system you're using now, how you're doing it? Sure. So for each new YouTube video, there's a specialized PDF that yeah. goes for that specific video. So all my videos are lessons. So each video, there's a specific link. They can download the PDF with all of today's vocabulary, ideas, blah, blah, blah. Click on the link in the description. I say all that stuff. And a lot of people get each PDF, so yep. they wouldn't be new leads. But it does, I think that creates more engagement, definitely brings in more leads, and is ultimately more helpful to people. Um, and that's been really useful, I think, in the business. And I have a, a script writer who helps me kind of fill in um, my YouTube scripts. She also copies and pastes-ish <laughs> that type of information into the PDF. So I'm not really even making the PDF. Yeah. She'll make it and then I touch it up and make sure that things are visually or, I don't know, everything's grammatically okay. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't really add that much work to mm -hmm. my plate. All right. Which that's also the goal is not to have to add more work. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Any final thoughts for our audience um, about running a membership? Something else? Yeah. Just don't be afraid to make a big change. <laughs> yeah. And if you are, reach out for help. I think that's been really helpful. Um, yeah. You've been really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Vanessa. Do you, would you still recommend? Uh, other creators or online business owners to launch a membership? I would say, yeah, it's still okay. I th there's probably a lot of caveats to that. Yeah. Like making sure you have an out. Is there something else you could make? But if it means just doing something now and getting it out, okay. But maybe you could package that and sell it at a higher price, learn some copywriting so you could sell it at a higher price. Yeah. Um, everything comes with benefits and costs, but I think especially for language educators, there is this kind of continual journey of learning. So there's an endless amount of stuff that you can yeah. learn. So it could work. 
but trying to have an out, I think, is a good plan. Yeah. Too. So I guess the main takeaway for everybody who's considering to start a membership or who already has a membership is um, that you should think about a way to eventually turn that membership into some kind of evergreen product. So do it in a smart way. Yeah. So that there is a and then think about an exit strategy because you're not going to run a membership for 20 years most likely yeah. not right yeah. maybe for two three four i think you did it for what for five years yeah but then eventually it's good to uh, have a way out um yeah. vanessa thank you so much for sharing your story your experience your lessons the lesson that you learned with us here on the podcast and uh yeah thank you for taking the time i know that your kids are walking around in the house <laughs> waiting for you so <laughs> i don't um, know exactly what happened but i heard them open their bedroom doors a couple times it's okay my husband is on the case <laughs> oh, all right so thank you so much for your help though i think this past year has been a lots of work but i see the light at the end of the tunnel and thank you for all your help i appreciate it <laughs> well thank you for saying that especially here on the podcast um <laughs> i didn't ask you to do that but yeah thanks vanessa um talk to you soon Okay, talk to you later. All right, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, special thanks to Vanessa for being so open with us here. And uh, yeah, if you are interested in working one-on-one with us, uh, one-on-one consultation is not something that we actively promote because we have very few spots. But in case you're curious what we have to offer, just go to our website, creatorsmart.com. That was it. And looking forward to meeting you on the show next time.